Welcome to the Idea Fit Pro Show with your host, Sandy Todd Webster. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Idea Fit Pro Show. I'm your host, Sandy Webster, and today I'm very pleased to be giving the spotlight to Idea member and fitness subject matter expert, Kia Williams. Today's episode gives us a front row seat to an in-depth conversation Kia had with another esteemed fit pro, educator and business expert, Tatiana Kolovu. Kia Williams, MS, is a studio manager for Lifetime Fitness in Chicago. She also is a global presenter, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion advocate, a fitness program specialist, and host of Fierce on the Mic, a podcast dedicated to providing expert fitness advice and helping fit pros refine teaching and coaching techniques. Tatiana Kolovu, MBA, is a three-time Trustees Teaching Award Senior Lecturer at Indiana University's Kelly School of Business. She is also a fitness studio owner and a renowned fitness presenter. Kia originally interviewed Tatiana for IDEA's career development webinar series, Paths to Success. Their discussion was so full of wisdom, we wanted to share it here on the Pro Show as well. Stick around to hear some actionable strategies and tactics on everything from personal and professional branding to networking and creating your own board of advisors and mentors. But before we get into the podcast, I wanted to say a few quick words about our upcoming Personal Trainer Institute happening in just two weeks. Your passionate purpose as a trainer, coach, manager, and owner is to deliver transformational fitness experiences for your clients. If the recent past has taught us anything, it's that we must maintain focus to continue inspiring our clients no matter what the world throws at us. You'll find that spark and more at Idea Personal Trainer Institute, which returns to Alexandria, Virginia, February 24th through 27th. Choose from 100 sessions on topics like the new rules of muscle growth, diversifying your offerings so your career can weather any storm, how your identity prevents you from seeing success, and what to do about it, and much, much more. Plus, IDEA's first ever Personal Trainer of the Year, Sherry McMillan, kicks off the event with an empowering spotlight presentation on how to become more resilient in your personal and professional lives. It's time for our fitness community to rejoin and develop fresh strategies to support our clients and build unbreakable careers for ourselves. To learn more about IDEA's first in-person event in two years, visit ideafit.com and select the events tab or call an inspired service representative directly at 888-999-4332 extension 7. We sure hope to see you there. Now let's turn it over to Kia Williams. So thank you, Tatiana, so much for gracing us with your presence because you are so important, not just to me, but to the fitness and business industry. I want you to take this opportunity to really just tell our tell our audience, tell us Mm -hmm. more about yourself and your very unique fitness and career journey. 
Thank you, first of all, for inviting me, Kia. It's wonderful to spend the evening with you. It's evening in the Midwest where we are. Uh, my career journey started in 1989 when I graduated from my exercise science degree. I was coaching swimming at the time, and I realized that uh, that couldn't be a full-time career because that was always evenings and weekends, exhausting. And I decided to see if I could get a job. I'm from Athens, Greece. So uh, even back in 1989, it was really not easy to get a job in the United States as a non-American. So I had the very good fortune eventually of starting in health promotion in a hospital-based wellness program. I was part of the marketing department. We did community-based wellness and health. And as you know, that is such a broad based um, opportunity to learn how to bring health education to people, anything from smoking cessation to weight management to fitness programming. And that was a, a really good entry into the whole world of, of health promotion, uh, corporate, some corporate health promotion. And my next stop was a uh, university-based. I, I met my husband. We kind of settled in. I live in a university town of Bloomington, Indiana. So when the rec center opened, I applied so that I could help build and open the, the rec center. Just imagine uh, I had to, to level up to 120 fitness classes a week with 45 instructors. You, you, mm -hmm. you mentioned you're in fitness management now. Um, I remember going to a fitness, um, an idea show and no, it was an, a meeting at the idea offices and, and seeing this plexiglass board where they could move the post-it notes around. And I thought, this is brilliant. I'm stealing this because to make a schedule for 120 classes a week is you know now i could get my daughter to write code to do that yeah right it's so complicated so um while i was starting in that position i knew very well one of the themes of this evening is uh that i will advise our our viewers is to really be strategic and to think ahead of what you want you may not get it now but you need to do steps take steps uh to take uh, steps that will get you to where you want to be i knew that my exercise science degree could only take me so far mm -hmm. and i had seen a good mentor and manager in the health promotion hospital-based program, go from exercise science to getting her MBA and then getting promoted and getting to do other things. And I thought, that's what I want. But with physiology, physics, and chemistry undergrad background, you don't really qualify to take business courses. You got to take accounting and economics and statistics. And so I had to do all of that while working full time. So I took the job in the university because it allowed for less travel, uh, commuting. And a year later, I started my MBA while working full time. And the third jump was a big jump. I remember at the time, being very stressed about making a career change out of the fitness world. I was running the program with all the instructors, but I knew I had to move on and I had just received my MBA and was a little itchy. I called Jay Blonick, our good friend, uh, who now is at Apple. And I, and, and I said, advise me, is this the wrong thing to do? And I remember him saying, when you spend this much time thinking through something, it's you, there's no way you can make the wrong decision. So I started doing fitness part-time, but I took a job in human resources in training and organizational development. If you think about big picture, a lot of what we do is educating people. We motivate, we educate, we, we inspire, and we engage. So I took those skills and moved them over to training and learning and organizational development, which is what it's called now, but I had an MBA that I could also focus and 
direct towards that. And so when I worked in learning and organizational development, I was doing fitness on the side. I was still traveling everywhere and presenting and teaching fitness, but it was not my full-time job. Uh, That position allowed me then, still in the university, there's always another theme is you kind of have to do career moves that are best for your world and for your life. I knew that uh, because there was a lot of traveling among the campuses of our university, this is not a place where I could easily or it would be possible. At the time I had, I think, a one and a three-year-old. It was insanity. So I took an academic teaching job in the Kelly School of Business, where I teach now. Uh, And I knew that two days a week, I was going to be in the classroom teaching a lot, focused. But the other days, I had more flexibility to balance uh, kids and sick kids and all of that. And it made sense. But I could not have done that if I had not received an MBA, if I had not worked in human resources, I could not have been um, hired with a degree in exercise science in one of the top ranked business schools. So if you see yourself moving in a certain direction, you have to be patient, you have to be strategic, and you really have to invest in your future self in order to um, get where you want to be. So um, I love what I do. I love teaching. Um, I still teach fitness classes. I now actually opened my own fitness studio four years ago, a cycling studio. I mean, I figure we teach fitness and entrepreneurship. We might as well do it. Um, It started as a a boutique fitness cycling studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, Doris Thews and, and uh, Jen Hogue, who is in Chicago, probably you know right. well, uh, they helped me initially uh, think this through and working with the Schwinn team. But then two years later, we were doing well, breaking even, starting to catch our stride. Boom, COVID hit, which mm-hmm. is another huge story. So I've learned so much about um, building a brand among uh, lots of franchises, uh, building community uh, really building a business that's based on something that we love, you know, the passion of fitness education. So that's where I'm now. I teach academically, I own a fitness business, and I do a lot of outside cons- consulting. Um, I do a lot of work. I have about 16 courses on LinkedIn learning. Yeah. Again, we're teachers. Really good courses. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We're teachers. We, we, we educate, we motivate, uh, but we also have to, to have the credibility to do that. So education right. is a big part of that too. Right. All right. That's it. That's the intro. (laughs) That's it. That's the long and the short of it. Right. So but with what you just said in your experience of working in campus recreation, but also working on college campuses, Mm. I can only assume that you're getting a lot of young and fresh, excited students, maybe even fitness students who want to make fitness their full time gig. Sure, sure. But how many classes per week can your body really take for you to make ends meet? a full-time based salary. So what advice would you give to those students about finding a way to make fitness full-time? Because in my experience, people think I go from being a personal trainer or a group fitness instructor to being a fitness manager of some sort. So maybe a fitness coordinator or director, but what advice would you give? So I have to tell you that our academic curriculum in our school of public health does give the students Uh, practical classes, but every one, I have one that I'm mentoring right now and I'm cornering her saying, you have a four-year science degree. I mean, exercise science is a pre-med degree. You could go to med school if you do well enough and apply. 
what can you do? You, the, 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 the challenge is a lot of times the students coming out of universities can't teach anything. They know the, the, the methods of exercise right. leadership and the basics of personal training. But if they have invested the time on the side and invested, for example, working the front desk at a local studio where they are going to take a lot of classes and eventually they get to participate in the open training that's available. And eventually maybe the owner will take them on, uh, along the side and say, you need to learn a new skill. Like I'm doing this with this one and with this one um, student slash, you know, potential instructor. Someone has to mentor you to do this. You, yes. you can't just learn how to do this. So you have to invest the time outside of your classes. Uh, sometimes there's an internship. So if you do an internship, the people running the internship have to want to educate you in this way. So, yes, I would say that our four-year degree students don't leave teaching a bunch of fitness classes. They don't know how to because right. no one has helped them to do and knowing how to do it. Um, I would disagree with someone that says, I'm going to make a living teaching classes. That is not a sustainable right. uh, yet and not a strategic approach because eventually your body will wear out and it's not going to be fun for you um, unless you teach to very rich people or you, you know, you're the trainer of the stars, uh, which is as you know, high potential of being maybe an actor in Hollywood. It doesn't happen very often. So, I do think that the entry-level jobs are maybe in hospital-based wellness programs or corporate programs or companies that run corporate fitness businesses. They run facilities for corporations. There's many uh, factories and corporations that have fitness uh, gyms in there, and that's where our students can go and get their first job. Um, they need a lot of hands-on education. And, and honestly, I was on a panel just the other day on entrepreneurship in general for, for students. And they said, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to people? And I said, hustle. Yeah. Hustle. Nothing is going to be handed to you. If you want to learn how to make and do different skills, you're going to have to put the extra time. Don't tell me that I have a you know 8 a.m. class and I can't teach it or train at six in the morning. Set the alarm. Right. Don't go out to the bars at night. Hustle and get it done. So that's my that's my that's answer. Really good advice. And I want us to hold that thought on the hustle part. The, the mm. hustle not just for the job, but for what you need. Let's let's circle back to that. But let's talk about you. You mentioned entrepreneurship, and that's something that's very common, I think, in our language and lingo these days, especially mm -hmm. with the the younger generation. We're realizing that we can start our own. We can take sure. these ideas, and rather than going through all the red tape, sometimes that comes with working in corporations or larger organizations. Maybe I can start a small business on my own. And we're seeing a lot of people use social media and social technology. Um, as a medium or a vehicle to making that work. But let's talk about entrepreneurship and maybe contingency plans and competency traps we, we sometimes see people fall into. What's your take on that? Contingency um, plans and competency traps. Well, one thing I'll say is you really, really, really have to be passionate if you want to do your own thing. Don't mm -hmm. do it at first. We even have a lot of business students that I do not recommend that they start their own thing right away. Go to a company to learn about all the mistakes that they've made. Let someone else train you on somebody else's buck and then 
five, six, seven, eight years later, you go out and do your thing when you really have a good strategic mm-hmm. plan and it's helpful. Fitness is not easy, especially now running a fitness business in the midst of all this COVID <sighs> habit boggling stuff that's happening. People are not back to where they used to be. People have changed their ways. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult to, to run a business and a small business in a world where there's so many brands competing with you yeah. in your own community. And people don't recognize that's a franchise. That's not a local business brand. Right. So competencies and traps that you mentioned, mm-hmm. I say pay your dues don't think that as a 23-year-old, you're going to get your inheritance. And I mean, it takes a lot of money. You're going to sign the three to five-year lease in a space. Right. If you decide to just put stuff in the back of your car and go into people's homes, uh, that's great. But you're not going to have evenings and weekends because that's when in the fitness industry, people train. Right. So if you're single and you just want to live the life, great. You can do it for several years, but it's again, not sustainable and you don't get benefits. So you don't get health insurance. Um, So there's competencies and traps. I would say maybe it's best to work for a fitness training company or find somebody that you think has a good business model, learn from them and stay with them for a while. Be loyal before you think of starting your own thing. On the competency piece, I would highly recommend and now education. I mean, I'm not Uh, I'm a little biased uh, with LinkedIn because I work with them so closely, but there's so many courses that can teach you business planning, that can teach you a marketing plan, that can teach you how to take step-by-step to do something. Don't just waste money. It takes a lot of capital to to start a business um, unless it's a complete service business. And I'd say in our industry would be you're going online and you teach fitness classes Again, as a business owner, that drives me nuts because someone is not paying rent. Yeah, They're not paying music fees. <clears throat> they're not paying payroll fees. They're not paying taxes, but they're ven- people are Venmoing them their, um, their income. But it's, again, not sustainable. In a way, it, it hurts other small businesses um, around them, too. So um, they could do it with personal training for a while, but you've got to have insurance and Again, is it sustainable is the question I would ask. So I recommend learning and understanding the systems part of that and building your competencies on the business side and the education learning side and continuing to invest in that before as you grow. I like that the responsibility and the cost behind educating yourself and and growing your business. Yeah, at all costs, at all costs. Yeah, yeah. So when we're talking the fitness industry, you mentioned a, a saturated market or brands popping up and competing brand, b- different brand identities that are pulling at a smaller market reach or a yeah. smaller yeah. niche. So when we are working in, say, the fitness industry, that is sometimes a very volatile industry, or as you once mentioned, um, surrendering ourselves to the ambiguity of the fitness industry. How do you think that we can responsibly approach that when we're talking investment and the, the insecurity of lack of job security, like if a global pandemic hits and no one had a contingency plan for that. Um, and But also the necessary needs for our own health insurance that we don't always get as private contractors or independent contractors. Mm-hmm. You mean this is the audience you're talking about is the actual fitness instructor or personal trainer? Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. I think, I think uh, 
like many other, I don't think, I mean, the restaurant in get in general, the service industry, we mm-hmm. had a colossal slap in the face uh, right. with COVID. Right. And in a way we improved and we learned different tricks and, and ways of, of yeah. uh, approaching and probably got better. I can't think of many industries that have been shaken up as much as our industry in the fitness world has. I, I can j- just tell you people's attitudes are just wonky, completely changed. Um, they liked to be working at home. Sorry, I knocked my computer. They like to be working at home and being on Peloton. Now um, things have opened up again. Now they're sick of that, but they're not doing anything else on a consistent basis. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But for the young professional who's thinking about this, I, I, maybe one thing that I've learned in the last four years, mm-hmm. I am very risk averse. When it comes to my own money, and I must say that I have funded my whole operation myself, maybe someone would say, you're stupid not to go to the bank and get money. I don't like to owe. I'm a little old fashioned. And also, I don't like people telling me exactly how to do something by giving me money and then I have to respond, um, especially in, in a risky time like this. But if if you can... I would say you have to decide how risk averse you are. And if you decide as when you're younger, you can take more risks, but uh, as you get older, it's a little bit more um, challenging to do that. So I guess I'm thinking of it from the person who is younger. I would say because there's volatile times, think of maybe can you work in a university-based program or maybe Mm -hmm. a corporate facility? Where do people need health and wellness in a structured way. If you're going for the health and fitness consumer out there, you're yeah. going to be competing not just with the brands that are, you know, the pure bars and the and the cycle bars and the, and the and the yeah. soul yeah. cycles and the orange theories. You, now you're competing with everyone else that's online right. uh, that's providing all of this. So if you're going for the end consumer in health and fitness, I would say that's probably the most challenging audience to reach because mm-hmm. the buffet has just got quadrupled. Mm-hmm. I would recommend going and in, in, in putting your feet into um, either, you know, working for a sports company or sports medicine company, mm-hmm. a, uh, even for if you're thinking of going physical therapy or athletic training, working for um, a company that does provide those services to gain your skills and get more information that way. Maybe play it a little safer as the field is shifting and changing. But to the point that you made before with the conversation that you had with your mentor, Jay Blonick, uh, you know, which may be why you're a little risk adverse is think is forward thinking. You said planning mm-hmm. ahead and planning mm-hmm. for the future. So although some of us may be a little more risky in our decisions because, you know, live young, die fast kind of yeah. kind of mentality. Yeah. But what if you grow old? Then what? What if your body is injured so you're not able to teach as many cycle classes as you used to? How are you Mm -hmm. still going to put food on the table? What investments should you make? Um, What risk planning should you have ahead? What advice? And if you were to have an intimate conversation with a a mentee, what advice would you give them around the planning ahead? Well, I remember making that decision when, you know, our 
our operations. I would go to work at nine in the morning, get all the stuff done. Things started heating up from four to eight thirty, and I'm thinking, I can't have kids and live li- like this. Right. How is this going to work? You know, I can't. I've got to pick. You know, I would see people, other people that worked with me, and this was in the in the university campus recreation. I knew that I needed to get out of there if I wanted to to have a family. So that always kind of gets complicated. And I know that if uh, someone is watching this and they're 23, they're like, oh my gosh, you're scaring me. You're thinking about this now. You know, go at it, do the travel and do the all the fitness okay. teaching and all the things that I remember thinking, traveling to maybe I remember nine, 10 countries a year. It was so much fun. If you tell me to travel now, I'd be like, oh, uh, that's okay. <laughs> I'll stay home. Oh, fly me business class and I'll travel. I've, I've been there, done that. It's not right, as right, exciting right. anymore, but it, it comes at different times of your life. Mm-hmm. As you get older, you want to be able to have savings. You want to be able to have uh, a way to 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 have a, a safety net. Right. You definitely need insurance. You definitely need uh, a retirement plan so that you don't. I know many people that are in their fifties. Um, I'm in my fifty-four, uh, and uh, if you don't, if you haven't set things up this way, you're on. You 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 don't have that security, and that's right. pretty scary, especially in our industry. If you get injured and right. you can't perform in the way that you did, that's problematic. You want to work for a place that does give um, workers compensation. So do work for places that have you on payroll. You're not a contractor. I right. I that's don't get me on that soapbox. I highly disagree with places that hire contractors. If the IRS looks at a schedule and sees Kia on the schedule at a certain time, you are not a contractor. You should be a paid employee and that place should be paying taxes. I agree on that. Yeah, and they should. And you should be under their insurance umbrella instead of having to carry your own. So that's True. a plug. And another plug, Tatiana, you make 54 look mighty good, my friend. I look forward <laughs> to it. Oh. But something that's very, very. <laughs> because I'm healthy and fit, right? Because Just you like are you, healthy you and fit up. and can out cycle me up and down a mountain. <laughs> Hey, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. But when we talk, a lot of people are talking multiple streams of income. Hmm. Great, cool. But I'm also thinking multiple streams of talent. So maybe in the past, we called that transferable skills. Yeah. Yeah. But alive and to to better sell ourselves. How are you as a mentor and uh, professor, rather, helping your young students further understand the importance of having transferable skills and Mm. selling those to businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Number one thing that I see in the fitness industry that I think is a mistake is the next trend comes up the next thing. And this may be maybe 10 years ago, this was a little bit um, more um, uh, uh, visible. Mm-hmm. I would see fitness professionals that would 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 grab, they would teach water fitness and then they're teaching cycling and they're, sure. they're presenting in all of this. Right. And if you think about it, it, true, if you're a good instructor, you could deliver content and training and design it in a way that is good, whatever context that you're in. Mm-hmm. But in a way, you need to also build a brand. Um, and when right. you're building a brand, you need to... Uh, create a lane that's wide enough that doesn't have everything in it. So I think in my opinion, you lose some credibility when you try to do too many things and be too many things. You've got to decide what is your brand and what do you represent? Mm -hmm. I teach business communication. 
personally, I tell my, my students, my business students, I teach MBA students, go learn how to teach a yoga class. Go learn how to teach a cycling class. Because if you can get on a microphone and motivate people, any day you can stand in front of a boardroom and do a presentation. Because by the way, we have the energy, we have the motivation, we're educational, we are inspirational. I, I've written an article of teach your class like a TED talk. The combinations or the 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 parallels between what we do for speaking and presenting. So I started training personal trainers and instructors how to be better. I do the same some of the same skills in teaching C-level suite presenters to yeah. get up and be motivational. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. But it's in a different context. So um, the skills that are transferable, I would say, are communication skills. Oh, yes. Delivery. Uh, and also listening skills, which mm. sometimes many of us are extroverts, so we don't take a big pause and take a listen and write notes and be attentive. Um, and definitely the skills to communicate also in writing, not just verbally. So to be able to leave a meeting and say, here's what I heard you say, and, mm -hmm. and be concise and speak with conviction. We speak with conviction when we teach. If there's one thing that I've seen with instructors, we over talk. Think of how to say more with less and really be effective. I, I would guess as much as virtual instructing now has become popular, you probably have seen it. You see yourself more on camera and you think, oh, Lord, I said this so many times or, yeah, yeah. oh, my gosh, cut this out. In the past, when we talk, when we taught live now in our studio you teach live and every class is recorded because we give our classes on demand to our members right. if i watch some of these classes it's really good training for me because i'm reminded of the things i shouldn't do so transferable skills are the communication skills the 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 inspiration skills and the really being able to communicate a strong message with right. concise words in anything that you teach yep Concise and conviction. I love that. But also mm -hmm. having your students put themselves in a vulnerable position of go teach a yoga class, go teach another movement based class. I'm sure for business minded people, that's a very humbling experience. Not just go teach a yoga class. I do. And a lot of my training is with speaking and getting up to speak. A lot of it is anxiety of people are looking at me. Right. You know, Right. Public speaking ranks second after dying in any mm -hmm. statistics that you see. So, you know, what I do tell them is where does your mat? I remember training an executive uh, in the fashion industry from New York, and she just hated just she would just get visceral physiological reactions of people paying attention and, and looking at her. And I said, OK, okay what, what do you do in your free time? I take yoga. Hmm, let me take a guess. Where do you put your yoga mat? in the back. So we took a month and a half and slowly, slowly yeah. moved her up to the front where everyone is looking at you. Yeah. You see yourself in the mirror. There's a lot of what we teach is body awareness. Mm -hmm. And it's so good for people to be able to, to train. And someone says, you did speaking coaching in a yoga, you taught her to do that in yoga class? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, and she was much more comfortable eventually. So there's a lot of crossing over in our fields. And I, I do think um, we do a lot more than just teach a, you know, yoga class or a movement class or a BOSU class. We teach people 
how to appreciate their bodies and mm-hmm. how to live their lives with more mental and physical inner strength. Um, right. and, and you can't you can't put a price on that. No, it's a beautiful thing. You mentioned quite a few times branding and building mm. a brand, being your own brand. And sometimes people misunderstand or misconstrue that business and brand are sometimes one in the same, but then mutually ex- exclusive as well. So mm. when we're talking being your own brand, but applying for a job with the business, what types of questions should we we ask of these business people who are interviewing us? We want to be our own brand. We want to sell our brand, but in a way that it fits. There's brand fitting within that business. You know, um, I'm doing an assignment for my MBA students, and and I want them to be able to speak when someone says, "Tell me about something that you value uh, and mm-hmm. why." Now, knowing your values and what's important to you, that speaks a lot to who you are and why. Right. Um, if you know this for yourself, integrity, wanting to work for a place that that uh, doesn't doesn't cut corners or treats people like people, cares about people, not just as numbers or as how many numbers that they're bringing in, you can be asking those questions. Tell me about a time that you had to make a difficult business decision that would affect people. What was it and how did you act? So just like situational interviews are given to you in an interview or or you're asked to to give situational answers, I would try to find what's the ethos of the, that's the name of my business, by the way, Ethos Fitness. Uh, But what's the ethos? What's the core value of the companies that you're looking for? And it's easier when you go in, you can look them up on social media and know what people say about them, but they're trying to figure out the same about you. You know, Mm -hmm. what do people say about you? That's your brand. It's like, what's your name on the street? What do people say about you? Um, and, and do you, you know, follow up on your word? Are you impeccable with the quality of what you offer? Um, do you, are you an excellent in the three things that you know how to do well? Um, again, are you reliable? What are, are the things that you want to portray as part of your brand? And then how do you figure out what's at the inner core of this company? Uh, and what is it a good fit for you? Right. And prepare those things in advance before you go in. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, what signs to look for, what questions to ask. Would you agree? Uh, There's nothing worse when at the end of an interview, someone says, do you have any questions? And people go, no, I don't have any questions. Then you're not prepared. So you want to spend a lot of time looking through all the social media, uh, looking through what people say about the brand that you're thinking of working with or finding out people that have worked with there before. Why did they leave? I think it's okay to say, can I talk to some people that work here Mm -hmm. or to find out? And I always recommend spend a day in the place. Would you like to be there and work there? We spent so many hours of our day in the workplace. You want it to be a place that you feel like you're part of the team and that you are that the team and the organization values the things you value. If you look around and no one looks like you or everyone looks the same and you would be the person to build the DE&I ticket and that's why you're being hired, you're not going to be happy there because you're just, it's obvious that you're, you are not going to be able to be yourself. Right. Now something, a common um, piece of advice that I don't know if you even remember saying this, but I attended one of your lectures years and years ago. And it's been common to me that you have said it 
Amy Dixon, who was also with Schwinn and Bosu with you, has mm-hmm. said it. Doris Thews has said it. <laughs> and it is play hard to get one. Know your worth. Yeah, I live mm-hmm. by that. Mm-hmm. But play hard to get. Tell us more about maybe does it have the same meaning as it did when you mentioned it years ago as it does now? But what does that have to do with selling yourself in an interview, getting the job that you want and negotiating salary? You know, it's funny you say that because I just watched a course by Mel Robbins on LinkedIn. She's a top selling author, a New York, New York Times top selling author. And she said, when you're getting asked to speak, you know, this is the equivalent. Instead of saying when someone says, what is your, what is, what is your charge? What do you charge? And you flip it and you say, what do you pay? Usually, what do you pay for an hour and 90 minutes? And always, she said, you should respond with, well, I charge twice as that, <laughs> twice as much. So yeah. that should always be your return. Never release that, that uh, number that you have. Um, Play hard to get, I would say. It depends, though. You know, Kia, depends on where you are in your lifetime. If you're just out of college and you're asked to do a presentation and you go, well, how much are you going to pay me? And the person says, you should be lucky that I've even invited you to do this. And it's a builder for your resume. At that time, you just, again, hustle, work for free, do the work. Get underpaid because you're trying to build your brand. Mm -hmm. At some point, that's not the case anymore. And I remember in the fitness industry, it's there's so many people that want to be presenters. If we just talk about that, that unfortunately, some organizers take advantage of that. And if you say, I want to get paid this much, they're like, well, no, we'll just go to the beginner people and then not pay them anything and cut our costs. It's terrible (laughs) from that standpoint uh, because there's more demand that there Mm -hmm. is supply. So when you get to a place where you can demonstrate your worth, Mm -hmm. that's when you you can say, you know, what is your hourly rate or what do you pay per class? This is what I charge. If you do that, be willing to walk away. Mm -hmm. If they say that's more than we can handle, it's okay. Great. Thank you. I, I'm just writing. I'm about to uh, publish. A, uh, I have a, um, uh, a newsletter on LinkedIn called Stronger, and it's designed to, to give communication strategies to help mm-hmm. you be stronger in the workplace. And this December whole thing is on asking, right. building a whole training program, an endurance program, a strength program around asking. But one of the things that I say is in your recovery plan, like what are you going to do? What's your plan B? If you ask for something you can't get or they say no, you got to be willing to walk away. Or if it's a full-time job and you've just asked to be promoted and they say no, what are you going to do? Again, be strategic. Have thought of that as an option to decide what you're going to do. You can't just make stuff up on the spot. Right. And that strategy is sort of playing it out from both ends. What mm-hmm. if this, what if that before you sure, even go sure, into it, oh, that yes. way you're not caught completely off guard or even devastated because a lot of us who've worked in companies for years and years, in a way we're loyal to a fault. You become more lo- loyal to that company than you are to yourself. So yeah. at what point do you walk away? Yes, what, at what yes. point do you call their bluff? Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. Know? absolutely. You know, and, 
even and I like where you were going with that. Get the experience to build your credibility. That gives you more putting the stand on to have those very hard conversations sometimes. And the more practice you get at it, the less hard it is. But something else in another session, I'm not name dropping, but you just make me recall so much of my past. A lot of things that I I wish I've done differently, um, but things that have really aligned me in a way of I'm making my own decisions that now I'm working for other companies where they think like, yeah, we got it for what we want. No, honey, I got you for what I want. But I was in a session with um, someone you worked with who I consider a mentor, someone I look up to, Jules Arnie. Oh. Yeah, Jules Arney, as she was transitioning from full-time fitness presenter, which I mean, hats off to her. It's something really nice about sleeping in your own bed every night, I must say. Um, But she was transitioning out of the full-time presenter role and going into a very nice position. And she said, she mentioned, you know, although, because this was a session, side note, everyone, this was a session on women negotiating and why, why do we not you know, ask for what we're worth. We're compared to our male counterparts, we Mm -hmm. negotiate far less, which may be another reason why we are paid far less. But as Jules was saying, she was, um, she got an offer for this sweet job. And she said, you know, they passed her the offer. And she said to herself, Tatiana would be very mad at me if I did not negotiate. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't have to answer right away. You're like, thank you so much. I need to think about this. So again, play hard. You know, no, you just <laughs> sometimes, you know, stop it. The extroverts need to right. sit down and shut up. Right. Just say, thank you so much. I need to think about this. Yeah. They can perceive it as playing hard to get, or you really need to think about it and talk to your advisory board. I remember, advisory board. Uh, I remember the sessions that her Jules and I designed. Uh, in, in fact, the um, newsletter I'm mentioning does talk about that book and that research. Linda Babcock, she's out, uh, out of uh, Carnegie Mellon. She has a, a book on women don't ask. They've done research studies on yeah. how women specifically they were doing these experiments and on the way out, they said, you get paid three to $10 based on this pasta and marshmallow creations that you did. And they would give everyone $3, nine times out of 10 women would say, thank you. And the guys would go like, well, you said 10, I want to, this is good. I want to do this. And uh, they realized that the glass ceiling may not be because there's not opportunities is that we start at a lower Mm -hmm. place and we don't, negotiate in this way. But I think our younger girls know this more because Mm -hmm. the moms are the women that got left behind or didn't get paid as much. And now, well, hell, I'm not going to raise my daughter this way. I'm hoping. Uh, But I see the younger generation as being a lot more attuned uh, to this. And I think things are becoming more fair that in the workplace, there isn't that much anymore as our students are heading into the workplace that the discrepancy is not there as much anymore. So the girls are getting stronger and also the rate, things are becoming more fair in the work more fair, world. More fair, more equitable. I'm hoping, I'm sure. hoping. Yes, I'm hoping. Yeah, Let, We're experiencing far less or maybe not far less, but more people challenging gender roles, not just in the household, but in business and yeah. in work as yeah. well. So we've got and a lot of transparency. Yeah, and transparency. Yeah. And transparency. The whole situation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because, because we're demanding it for sure. Now, when we talk about amazing and inspiring careers like Jules Arnie's career, people who leave and come back. 
Tell me about that comeback. You and I uh, discussed this a little bit earlier. Tell our viewers what we mean about the comeback. You mean um, leaving and, oh, I think I mentioned this to you from the standpoint, if you were talking about finishing your MBA and my advice to you was go and get a badass job in a corporate place. Maybe you're going to teach less and you may have to walk away from some of that. But when you come back into fitness, you have legit experience. Right being able to do something. It's not, you haven't sort of meddled in it. You really have legit experience in something. And maybe it could be marketing or it can be public relations or it could be uh, corporate communication or something like that where you've actually put fitness on the side. I did that. And honestly, I do think it helped me in the long run. Now, it would not be in the place I am now if I didn't have HR, serious HR experience uh, to come back in. The fitness is it makes a good, uh, I would say it's icing on the cake uh, yeah. with everything that I can do, but it would not have, I would not have been able to be where I am now if I had not right. stepped out of my lane at the time. So that's right. the advice I gave you. That's what you said, uh, right. making a comeback, right? right. It's making it, yourself way more marketable for sure. But with that comeback, it's like fitness is the friend that keeps coming back, that keeps knocking on the door. We start young as group fitness instructors teaching at our college recreation campuses and things like that. And we think, oh, I've graduated, I've transitioned, but we just see so many people coming back in some way, shape or form. We're passionate for it. We're passionate. passionate. It's a passion business. It really, really is. is. You see people that quit their accounting careers and and get certifications and that's all that they want to do. At least we know that our heart is there, but we have to be smart about it if we want it to be sustainable. Right on. And I'm enjoying this conversation with you far too much, I think. And we could keep it going forever and ever. But Tatiana, I just want you to to have the last word and to give us your last word of inspiration of what we should do to take control of our own career trajectory. Mm. Mm. Be strategic, plan ahead, choose the skills that you think will help you. Don't just jump on a trend because it is a trend. Make sure it's authentic and close to you. So be strategic and align with your own authenticity. Um, Don't be afraid of hard work because I said as initially, you're going to have to work for free and hustle quite a lot as you build your, your resume. And then finally, find people that you respect and you follow and you get advice from and, uh, and watch them and ask them. I, I remember the very first thing that I did out of college, I did 30, 30-minute 30 informative interviews. I found people, and this was before the time of internet and email, I was cold calling and saying, I see you have this position in a, uh, I, I didn't have a job, by the way, uh, recreational. I, I just was interested to see what are the different jobs that people had. And with one of those, the man that I talked to, he said, well, my wife is in the hospital wellness programming business and so on. And that's how I ended up getting a job. So it was networking, uh, but really connect and create a network. One other example, I remember coming back from idea conferences and I would make notes of all the people that I had seen names and I would open my computer and write out my emails of it was so nice to see you, blah, blah, blah. Networking is 
insanely important in Mm -hmm. any, any business. So going to conferences or showing up in any more, it's virtual, but maybe if it's in person, but creating a network where you don't always expect to get something back. Maybe you give something or you connect to other people. So don't be willing to work, you know, be willing to work hard, build a brand that's authentic and specific Mm -hmm. to you. Think and plan ahead and create an advisory board or a network that can support you as you uh, as you grow. That's great advice, Tatiana. And thank you so very much for sharing not only your time, but your, your influence and your inspiration as well, but allowing us a deeper dive into your very unique career journey. That winds up Keo Williams' interview with Tatiana Kolavu. Check the show notes for details about getting in touch with either of them and for any other resources mentioned on today's show. Did you know that IDEA also hosts the Listen and Learn CEC podcast? Listen and Learn is the fitness industry's first audible CEC program. Each episode contains information from IDEA's award-winning fitness journal that has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 certification agencies. Tune in while you're out for a run, getting your workout in, or even while you're just chilling out. Ideas editors read fitness journal articles directly to you so you can get some movement in while you learn. Subscribe to both the Idea Fit Pro Show and Idea Listen and Learn CEC podcast in the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sandy Webster signing off. Until next time, stay positive and keep inspiring the world with your special magic. Don't ever forget that you make a huge difference in the lives of others and that idea is here to support you in this critical purpose. Thanks for all you do to make the world a healthier, happier place. The Idea Fit Pro Show is part of the Outside Inc. podcasting network. Many thanks to our executive producer, Jordan Leeds, and our engineer and editor, Mike Hilding. Copyright 2022, all rights reserved. Reproduction without permission is strictly prohibited.